A young girl found a cocoon on a tree limb near her home. She took it home, placed it in a jar, hoping to see the butterfly emerge from the cocoon very soon. One day, a small slot appeared. The butterfly was trying to get out, struggling against the cocoon to fight its way out. The young girl thought that maybe she should help the, the butterfly get out. So she opened the slit very, very carefully, just a little bit bigger than what it was. Just to help the butterfly get out. And the butterfly struggled and strained and pushed and, and wiggled and squirmed and it finally got out. But instead of a pair of beautiful butterfly wings, all that were there were two shriveled, useless, droopy wings. Cocoons are designed to be tight so that the struggle would strengthen and straighten the wings. But because there was no pressure, the butterfly was robbed of the beauty of its wings and the ability to fly. This butterfly was condemned to a short life of walking on the ground. Now you and I are not butterflies. We need the pressures of life and its trials if we are to develop into all that God has saved us to be. In our scripture today, Paul tells us why he was able to soar the heights that most other believers in his day could not. As we look into this passage of 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verses 1 through 10, we will see the buffetings that Paul mentions. What he endured can teach us a lot about the problems, sufferings, and trials of our own lives. We will find that the trials and sufferings of this life for the follower of Christ will refine and prepare us to take flight for the glory of God. So let's take a look this morning and see blessings out of buffetings. Blessings out of buffetings. And the first thing we'll see this morning is the pain of the buffetings. The pain of the buffetings. We'll start in verse 7. And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Two words describe the pain. The Greek, first Greek word is scallops, which means a thorn or a splinter. And the other word is kalafidzo, as to strike as with a fist. Most of us, if not all, have been pricked by a thorn, and, and we know the nagging, piercing pain that is produced. It's very annoying, and it hurts for quite a while. Um, when I was working at Home Depot, we were moving plants around on our plant tables, and I didn't happen to be wearing gloves at the time, 
and we have to be, happen to be moving um, some plants and some things that some had thorns and some didn't. And I wasn't sure which ones did and which one didn't. So the ones that I knew didn't have any thorns, I would just pick up by the scruff of their plant and move it. Well, I wasn't watching what I was doing, and I reached in and grabbed a red bayberry. That was the wrong thing to do. I got hold of a lot of little thorns, and that was very wrong and very hurtful. And this is the kind of thing that Paul is trying to get across here. Now you take that pain and all the feelings that go with a thorn prick or a lot of little thorn pricks and think about never getting rid of it. The fact that it's always there. Now, we don't know what Paul's thorn was. We don't have any idea. Galatians 6.11 seems to imply that it may have been some kind of eye disease or eye problem. 2 Corinthians 10.10 says that Paul's bodily presence and stature was weak. It's possible that he may have suffered from malaria or epilepsy or some other physical debilitating disease. We just don't know. Whatever it was, it made the task of traveling, preaching, teaching, and ministering to the churches very difficult for Paul. As uncomfortable as this was for Paul, he had come to understand that this was part of God's plan for his life. So, is there a thorn in your life? Is that thorn acting up right now? If so, know that God is allowing it for some particular reason. We, need, we can rest in the knowledge that God knows what he is doing, what is going on, and why it's happening. If you're not experiencing anything right now, it's possible there's something coming down the road. We all go through periods of thorns and buffetings in this life. They, all, they are all part of the human experience. When the thorns come to pierce you and the buffetings shake you to your core, remember that nothing can touch you that is not part of God's plan. If it has come your way, God has signed off on it. Romans 8.28 It's a good thing that Paul never named his thorn. For if he did... We might conclude that the only people who have that specific thorn can claim those promises. But since Paul did not name his problem, the promises that he received can also apply to us and to whatever situation we face. The place of this pain. Paul says the place was, quote, in the flesh. Unquote. He was afflicted in his physical body. Thorns and buffetings will show themselves in the physical realm. Other times, they may be emotional, depression, loneliness, fear, despair. Sometimes they are spiritual in nature. 
doubting our salvation, struggling with holiness, battling spiritual pride. Sufferings, buffetings can come in many shapes. We can hurt on many different levels. These levels are not visible to the human eye, and we must never be surprised at how the thorns show themselves. The persistence of the pain. The persistence of the pain. To buffet is a verb. It's an action word. And in this section here, in this context, it's in the present tense and the active voice. This issue that afflicted Paul was something that was continuous in nature. He lived with it all the time. This problem had come to stay. We need to know that sometimes the things that we are called upon to endure may not be over in a few days or a few hours or a few weeks or even a few years. Some believers endure buffetings and thorns all of their Christian life. It will only be in eternity with Christ that we will know the reason for these struggles. So we need to be encouraged. The Lord of heaven and earth is involved in our lives and is doing something in us, for us, and through us. In his time, he may make it clear to you. The next one we see is the purpose of the buffetings in verses 7 and 8. I won't read 7 because we, we've already read that. In verse 8, concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. Buffetings regulate our flesh. To keep Paul from being exalted above measure, meaning to lift oneself above one's place. We see that in Romans 12, 3. Paul had been given many blessings and revelations. The specific revelation was for Paul alone. And for this, he received this messenger to buffet him. Because of the, of the specific revelation, it is possible that Paul could have started to think of himself more highly than he should have. That he was a pretty special guy and that this was all about Paul. The Lord gave Paul this thorn to, remote, to remind Paul that this was all about God, not Paul. This thorn was given to keep Paul humble and to keep Paul dependent on the Lord. We, too, have this tendency. We start to think a little higher of ourselves than we should. When God uses us for his glory, there is that something in us that wants to claim all the glory for ourselves and all the praise and all the acclaim. But sufferings, buffetings, troubles, and thorns are given to keep us anchored 
to this earth. We are then reminded of just what we can do without Christ. And that is absolutely nothing. So one of the purposes of the thorns and buffetings of life is that they remind us that we are flesh. And that we need Christ and his power to get things done for the Lord. There is nothing like a time of crisis to remind us how weak and frail we really are. We do not necessarily like being reminded of that. But we do need it from time to time. Buffetings re-energize our faith. Notice where Paul went when he was hurting. He turned to the Lord. He turned to the Lord. Three different times he turned to the Lord. His trials brought him to his knees. He sought the Lord. Not that Paul was not a man of prayer. We, he, certainly, he certainly was. And in reading his letters, we see that he prayed for many people, many churches, and praised God for all that God had done. Paul's letters to his churches, the churches that God founded through him, were written from his knees. He received letters asking for answers to specific questions or to deal with specific problems. Now, Paul was a man. He was an apostle. He had the gifts of the apostle, but he was still a man. He did not have answers for everything. So he spent time on his knees, praying when he received these letters as to... You know, Lord, what do I do? Lord, what do I say? What do I tell these people? In the letter to the Galatians, he talks about the legalism, law and grace, and circumcision. The letter to the Ephesians was about the church, the body of Christ. The Philippians, joy in spite of troubles, trials, circumstances. The letter to the Colossians, the person and work of Christ, his all-sufficiency and supremacy. First and, second, first and second Thessalonians, encouragement in face of sufferings and the last days. In First Timothy, how to model genuine Christian character. Second Timothy, loyalty to Christ, loyalty to the gospel. And loyalty to Paul himself. Letter to Titus. Believer's lifestyle. Philemon. Reconciliation by the gospel. Romans. Jew and Gentile believers as one people of God. 2 Corinthians, a letter of correction. 1 Corinthians, letter of correction. 2 Corinthians, Paul's relationship with the church at Corinth. Now, this situation that Paul is talking about here in 2 Corinthians 12, 1 through 10, was something that I believe happened approximately 14 years previous. 14 years is a long time to be struggling with a difficult and possibly painful situation. Especially when Paul asked three different times to take it away. 
Finally, the Lord told Paul that, quote, my grace is sufficient for you, unquote. Paul needed to learn to develop patience, endurance, stillness before the Lord, Psalm 4610, humility, teachability, among other character qualities. He was going to have to face greater trials than just this thorn. If we were to read Acts 9, 15, and 16, and then 2 Corinthians eleven twenty one to 23, we would see Paul's ministry from the risen Savior and all that he suffered for his ministry, for the gospel, and for Christ. When the path of life is easy, we seem to forget how much we need the Lord. When trouble comes, we are shocked back to reality, and we are driven to our knees. Because God knows each of us so well, he allows us to walk through some very desolate and dry places so that we might seek his face. And buffetings renew our focus. They renew our focus. Paul may have been feeling a little sorry for himself about now. This thorn was really knocking him for a loop. He was finding it difficult to do what the Lord had laid on his heart. The Lord had told Paul to focus on the grace that he had received. Paul needed to pull his eyes off of himself and focus on the Lord. When he did that, he received strength, energy, vigor, and power to continue. Paul allowed the Holy Spirit to move again to energize him to do the work of the ministry. He learned to be content in the situation and to rest in the grace of God so that the power of God would rest upon him. When you and I go through hard times, we need to remember that the grace of God is sufficient for us also. We need to refocus on the Lord and, this plan for, and his plan for us and to look beyond the circumstances. The thorns, buffetings, trials of living in this world are part of God's shaping process so that we might become more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ. The promise of the buffetings. The promise in the buffetings. Verses, verse 9 a. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. The promise of divine sufficiency. The word sufficient means to be satisfactory, to be enough. Paul prayed three times to have this thorn removed. But God said, my grace is enough for you. I called you to this work. I know that you are dealing with this thorn. 
I allowed that. I know that you feel weak and insufficient for the task at hand. You need the strength that I have. Paul, you will never be enough, but I am always enough. As humans, we have the if only syndrome. If only I was different. If only I could just feel better. If only I was younger. If only I was smarter. If only I was talented. The problem with this syndrome is that, is that thinking is that it's all wrapped up in me. It's all wrapped up in us. It's all wrapped up in our thought process. It's if I was if I was smarter, if I was prettier, if I was more handsome, if I, you know, the, the focus is on me. It's right here, right? You know, we don't see any more than what's right in front of my face or right at the end of our nose. Self says, I am all I need. And if I could work out a few small details then I could be so much more. We need to understand and remember that we will never be enough. But Christ is always more than enough. What the, what the Lord said to Paul, he said to us, I am in control. I will meet your need, and I will take care of you. This is the undeserved grace of God. He gives grace to support and sustain us. There are many examples of this through Scripture. Daniel chapter 3, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Daniel himself in Daniel chapter 6. And the Apostle Peter in Acts chapter 12. These are just three. There will be amazing, matchless, marvelous grace for all the bumps in the road. The promise of divine sovereignty. The Lord told Paul that he is working out a divine sovereign plan in Paul's life. Paul needed to be reminded that God's plan will only be accomplished in God's time and in God's strength. By making Paul weak, God could display his power and his strength. God gets more glory when using the weak things rather than the great, powerful, or influential 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 26 through 29. As the Lord allows trials, testings, buffetings, and troubles, we need to remember that he is getting glory out of our weaknesses. We may never know until eternity how God used our circumstances for his glory. Someone is watching us to see how we respond to the difficult circumstances we're going through. God has a plan. 
And we need to rest in his faithfulness. And lastly, the prize of the buffetings. 9b and verse 10. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. The prize of power. Paul said that when the infirmities of life pressed him beneath their weight, he is stronger than ever. God's power is able to move in ways that it could not under other circumstances. God's power is able to move, and Paul needed to totally depend on God. When we are pressed beneath the weight of trials, we are brought to a place when God can move through us, in us, on us, and for us. Before he can use us in great ways, he must first put us in a position of absolute dependence on him. That's the prize of power. The prize of praise. In these verses, Paul is using words like most gladly. And I take pleasure. Most of us rejoice when things are going smoothly. We're real happy. Things are great. We got blue skies and sunshine and the birds are singing and everything's hunky-dory out there. But we struggle with rejoicing when the skies get dark, when trouble comes. Paul's sufferings had taught him how to praise the Lord. He learned that God was in control. He learned that he, that God knows what he is doing. And that God is using Paul's pain for his own glory. Paul learned to see beyond the circumstances. Jesus was able to see beyond the cross, Hebrews 12, 2. Paul was seeing the power and the glory that was coming. That is why he had peace and could praise the Lord in, in the midst of suffering. Perfect illustration of that is Acts 16, 23 through 25. Paul and Silas are in Philippi. They've been arrested for being rabble-rousers. Their feet are in stocks. They're in a smelly, nasty, dirty, dank jail in Philippi. And what are they doing? They're singing. They're praying. They're rejoicing in the situation. When we can see our trials from God's perspective, then our whole outlook will be altered. We will learn to submit and humble ourselves to him 
and his will for our lives, then God can use us in ways that we never imagined. And lastly, the prize of peace. The prize of peace. Paul was in lots of things. And in these things, he was content. He took pleasure in infirmities, in needs, persecutions, and distresses. Paul had learned the secret that God is just as real and powerful in the battles as of life as he is during the times of peace and abundance, Philippians 4, 10 through 12. It seems that we as believers spend more time praying to get out of trouble or to be kept from trouble. How long has it been since you thanked God for your trouble? When was the last time you praised God for putting you in a position where you had to trust him. How long has it been since you thanked him for putting you in something? In conclusion, I'm going to read a couple of verses and we will go from there. The first verse I'm going to read is 1 Corinthians 10, 13. It's a very well-known verse. We can probably quote it by heart, but I'm not going to. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but will with the temptation also make the way to escape, that you may be able to bear it. And then the last couple of verses I will read will be from Lamentations chapter 3. Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 and 23. Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is faithful.